Welcome to the City Church Online. This is where you get all the sermons that you might have missed or you might just want to listen to all over again. Please like, subscribe, remember to share and download this message. Come, let us grow together in Christ. Lord, the scriptures are true. They tell us that the entrance of your word brings light and gives understanding to the simple. And so let it be so that even this morning, many's hearts will be moved into obedience to truth and that the light will shine ever so bright in our hearts to bring glory and honor to your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. We are continuing with the series of sermons that we have been tackling. This is perhaps the second last sermon in this series. This is my church. This is my church. Now, if you have noticed, or you may or you may not uh, have noticed that in this series, we are tackling three major things that the ministry should focus on or the church should really be engaged with. Number one, among all things, as we started talking, I talked to you about the discipleship mandate. It is the only responsibility that really Jesus left to us. Uh, the responsibility to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father. Jesus has the discipleship authority. We have the discipleship responsibility. Now, there are some people who when you assign a responsibility, you go and rest because you know that such a person, when they take on the responsibility, that responsibility is as good as done, correct? And then there are other people who, when you assign responsibility, you keep awake because you don't know whether by the time you wake up, it will be done or not done. Now, I just said, Jesus has the discipleship authority, but you and I have the discipleship responsibility. Now, I don't know whether you are the kind who, when an assignment and a responsibility is given to the person who has given you that responsibility can go and rest and know this is as good as done. As long as he or she has this responsibility, I can rest. Or you are the kind who, when a responsibility is given to, we don't know whether it will be done or not done. So that one, you are the one who knows. But what I have to do is to present to you the teachings of scripture and to tell you that the number one assignment when God says that before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you and before you were born, 
I called you, he has called us to this responsibility to draw men into the kingdom and disciple nations, disciple groups of people to become Christ-like. Hallelujah. And so we say to you here, we express that through the missional communities. We create communities of mission that go out and continue recruiting others into the kingdom of God and into the mission of God. All right? So number one focus of the church should be discipleship. That is on one end. On the second side is what I would call celebration. Celebration because every time we meet, we come together to celebrate the risen Christ. But as we come to celebrate the risen Christ, there are several things that must be done. For example, when we come in celebration, like on Sundays and services are times of celebration. That is why you see we start with singing and rejoicing and, and hugging and smiling. That's why when you are in church and you don't smile, the church doesn't feel nice. Hallelujah. But, but when everybody is smiling and everybody loves each other, you feel like you also want to be there. It is nice because it is a time to celebrate the risen king that on a day like this, our savior, that tomb couldn't hold him, chains couldn't hold him, the devil couldn't hold him, he rose in power and we celebrate the reality that we now have life in him because he rose from the dead. We don't pray on Sunday because it is Sabbath. No, we pray on Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We come to celebrate. Hallelujah. But when we come to celebrate, several things must happen. For example, I have tried to pray that... Uh, the chairs arrange themselves, but it has never happened. Praise the Lord. Uh, someone has to arrange the chairs. Uh, we have the keyboard, but even you, if we are here right now, and that keyboard began to play itself, praise the Lord, you will also wonder, either you will fall down and say God has come, or you will run and say something is wrong here if the drums began right now, okay? So there must be someone to play the keys and drums and do sound. In other words, as we come into celebration, everyone must do something. Now, it is not good, like I told you, to be a second cousin, those who are there, they know what I am talking about. You know, when, when you have someone at home 
who everybody, there is a party, everybody is doing something. Someone is washing plates, someone is uh, cutting tomatoes, someone is fetching water, someone is chopping firewood, and another one is cleaning the house. And then there is this dude, for him, his job is to sit and watch everyone and then just enjoy what everyone has done. Praise the Lord. And, and so we decided everyone must serve. I am so glad because right now our mission of communities, the attendance has gone up. People are in mission of communities. And if you haven't joined a mission of community to sign up for a mission of community that meets near you. So that is in discipleship. But also if you are not serving somewhere, it is time for you to start serving somewhere. Hallelujah. We removed all the restrictions that were holding people back from serving and a lot of people signed up for ministry, serving in the media team, worship team. I didn't get anyone to sign up in the pastoral team. But people signed up in various ministries, in first impressions, in service programming, and all those areas, and we were happy. Now, the third area that a ministry should focus on, and we are emphasizing at this time, is family. But before we go into family, let me just remind you a little bit of what we said last week. Because last week, we talked about the fact that everyone must be able to invite someone because we have to compel. And I think if you have tried today, if you have tried this week, you have seen that people have excuses. So don't worry. Keep trying. Keep going back. Because for us, the master keeps saying, go. You get it? The master is saying, even to you right now, even to me right now, he says, go. I have a neighbor. I have tried. But even when I get to look at him, I just feel like, I think let me just leave this guy alone. Praise the Lord. It's not easy, but we have a master who, when he sees empty spaces, he's not happy. And he says, go and compel them to come in so that my house will be filled. I really thank God for you. This whole week, I've been thanking God for our church because I have seen men and women in this church who are willing to go out and do the word and hear the word and do it and do it and do it. Now, today I came to tell you this is my church. Is the series continuing? This is my church. But the church grows and becomes even more interesting when you involve your entire family. Yes. So today I came to tell you, involve your entire family. This is the sermon title today. Involve your entire family. This is my church. I will involve my entire family. Now, in the New Testament, 
The Apostle Paul preached to so many different churches and started different churches. When he started different churches, they all were started in different ways. But there is a, and then after he started the churches, he began writing letters to these churches because there were certain things that were not going right in those churches. And so he would write to them and tell them to correct their wrongs, to say, ah, ah, you know, you know there was a church which had an elder who was sleeping with his father's wife. Oh, yes. Can you imagine? Paul's church, a church planted by the apostle Paul, had an elder who was prophesying, but at the same time, he was sleeping, not just with another wife, another woman, but he looked at his father's wife and said, that's the one I want also. Can you imagine? And he was in church. That's why, you see, when you are a sinner in this church and you are here, you don't scare me. I know churches have people also who do things that if you had, you will also be like, ah, what are we doing here? Praise the Lord. But all of them are found in church. At least, at least you do those things and be in church than be in a bar. Because one time, Jesus will meet you and he will change you and will turn things around and will turn you from a sinner to a saint. That's what he did with all of us. Hey, I don't want to tell you my things also because all of us here have certain stories. But the Lord has had mercy on us. And he has loved us regardless of all our faults, all our wrongs, all our terrible things that we don't even want to tell you. Don't even ask us. We don't want to tell you. This is between us and God. Praise the name of Jesus. So don't give in to this religious thing where they tell you, oh, Molokole has to be the perfect person. Me, I thought you are. A no, no, no. We are all God's mercy projects. Praise the Lord. We are just God's gracious, merciful, loving projects that he has just worked on. And now you look at us. We look like we are shining angels because of his presence in our lives. Hey, but we know where he got us from. And, and we know we are not yet even where he really wants us to be, but we are moving with him. And when you move with him, he makes you shine. And everybody thinks you are the greatest man there has ever been, a greatest woman. It is God's mercy. And so Paul had these churches. When you read the letters, he's trying to either correct doctrine or he's putting in other things that are lacking, or he's outrightly angry and mad. In fact, he wrote some church and said, do you want me to come with a, a stick? Yeah, he wanted to cane them. Do you want me to come with a cane, a stick, and I cane you, or do you want me to come? And then he told me, if you want me to come, not angry, correct those things you are doing that are Bad, how can you? That the, the churches that were just disorganized, everything was just disorganized. However, there was this one church for it, 
He did not write for, to correct anything in it except to encourage them. And this was the church of Philippi. When Paul wrote it, the church in Philippi was a strong church in the midst of trials and persecutions and hostilities around them. They still were uh, strong. They are the only church that had the muscle to partner with Paul and serve, him, and serve alongside him even with finances. It is the church that he says, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. It is the only church he was saying, don't cry. My suffering is for your gain. Listen guys, even if I die, it is for my gain. But if I stay, I'm just going to stay for your behalf. Or for your behalf, I just want you to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. That's all he was writing to tell them. That's all he was writing to tell them. I realize why. Because first of all, before Paul went to this place, he got a vision. And the angel was calling him to go to Macedonia. So he went there. And uh, in Acts chapter 16, verses 11 to 15, it says, therefore... Sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day we came to Neapolis. From there, we went to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. We are staying in the city for some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the river where prayer was customarily made. And we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. By the way, do you see, a lot of times prayer meetings are attended mostly by women. So men who are here, we must change this story so that we also have prayer meetings. But even Paul was running into the same challenge that uh, people who wanted to pray were women. The men, I don't know why they didn't want to pray. But Paul says, on the Sabbath day, verses 13, they went out to the city, to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made, and we sat down and spoke to the women who met there. Now, a certain woman named Lydia had us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. Now, this is the point where we wanted to come. The Bible says in verses 15, When she and her household were baptized, she begged us saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord... Come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. Now, number one, realize what happens there is Lydia does not get baptized alone. Lydia gets baptized and her entire household. Household means whoever was in her house. She said, I have found a good thing. Come, all of you. And she went and told her husband. Husband, you are not staying in bed when we are going to get baptized. 
come with me. Let us all get baptized. Then she saw her two boys and she told the two boys, you boys, you are all coming with me to the river to be baptized. And then I think she had like three, four girls, four girls. And one of them was her sister's daughter. And she said to the three girls in her home, all of you, including you, my sister's daughter, come, we are going to be baptized together. I think because she was a rich woman, she also had some four slaves. She told them, all of you, if you are working in my household, I have found a good thing. Come and be baptized. So her entire household was baptized. Now, Paul continued in Philippi and he got in trouble. And the trouble was he healed a girl who had a demon on her that was prophesying. By the way, not everyone who prophesies accurately was prophesied by the Spirit of God. And this girl was prophesying, but it was demons. But and the things she was saying were good. These are men of God. They have brought us the message of life. And hear them. And she was telling everybody, hear them. And everybody knew when she says these things, it is true. But Paul looked and saw it was a demon. And said, I don't care what kind of message you have for me. If it is a demon speaking, I don't want demons to speak to me. So he cast it out. Now that landed him in trouble. Because the parents, they used to charge for a prophecy. By the way, this is how you know when prophetic ministry is not of the Lord. When people begin to charge, that is the spirit of Balaam. That, that spirit, it, it, when they begin to charge, you know, for a hundred dollars, I will prophesy to you for five minutes. And for uh, $500, I'll prophesy to you for 15 minutes. Those, those things, those things, that's how you know it's not the Spirit of God. That's how you know this is not from God. Okay? And, and, and so we don't charge people to prophesy over them. But this girl was bringing in too much profits. And then they cast the demon out and she couldn't prophesy anymore. So the parents went to the courts and they brought police because their source of income had been tampered with. Like how do you, even you, if someone came and burned down your shop, wouldn't you bring the police? So this girl was like their shop. That's how they got their money. They decided to get Paul and throw him in prison. But not before they had beaten him. They beat him Exactly like they beat Jesus. 40 minus one strokes, uh, strips, and they threw him in prison. Now, Paul is not like you and me. Uh, Paul decided to start a praise and worship ses prayer session. Yes. And that is the quickest way to get out of jail. To get out of trouble. The quickest way to get out of trouble. The quickest way... You try it. When you are in big trouble, you begin to praise God and to smile. Yesterday, I was driving back from Bali and I was flying. I wasn't just driving. My car was going like 100 and 
20 something kilometers per hour. I was enjoying it. Except a certain policewoman stood in the front of the road and put their thing, their, that speed gun, and, and stopped me. And I knew I was in trouble. So I began to smile. <laughs> and, and she came walking and she was very, the face was very rough. So I looked at her and said, hello, how are you? You are walking very slow. Do you have any problem? <laughs> she didn't expect someone to greet her with a smile and joy. And I was listening to a sermon and I was very happy. And she's like, but you are running very fast. I said, this car is, oh, I was enjoying this car. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. My point is this, when you are in trouble, instead of crying, smile and praise God, it worked for Paul, it has worked for me, probably it will also work for you, hallelujah. The Bible says, but at midnight, that's Acts 16, verses 25 and 33, Paul is still in Philippi, at midnight, I guess after you have been beaten, 40 minus 1 tribes. It's really hard to sleep. So at midnight, Paul and Cyrus, uh, uh, this is Silas, uh, were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them, wondering what these mad people like. You are in prison and you are singing to God. What's wrong with these ones? But then, suddenly the Bible says, there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Now, so you see what is happening. Praise opened up the doors of the prison. The singing, the worship, the prayer opened up and made the chains to drop. Now, for you, if you were in prison and the chains broke by the power of God and the doors opened. Now, then he called the prison warden, called for a light. He ran in <laughs> and fell down trembling before Paul and Cyrus. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, look what Paul tells him when he asks, what must I, it is, I do to be saved? Paul and Cyrus answered him. He said, do this. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Paul is saying, 
Mr. Jailer, do not leave your wife behind and do not leave your children behind. Do not leave your maid behind. Do not leave your slaves behind. Everyone in your household, you and your entire family, bring them in. Hallelujah. The Bible says, then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into the house, they sat before them and he rejoiced and having believed God with all his household. Now, let me speak to the gentlemen who are here. Someone said, and I don't know if the statistics are really right, but someone said that when a child gives their lives to Jesus, chances are very small. It's like 10% for that child to be able to draw the parents into the church. When a wife gives her life to Jesus, it is a 50-50% to bring her entire family to church. But when a man gives his life to Jesus, it is a 90% for his entire family to come with him to church. And so, friends who are here, I want to tell you that we need to involve our entire family in church. Your husband needs to be with you. And in fact, it is beautiful when a wife sits with their husband in church. But for most of you who are husbands and husbands-to-be, really, really, it is more on you. In fact, it is easier for you. Now, I know that there are some women who are hard, praise the Lord. They just want to do what they want to do. That's why, by the way, women, listen to me. That's why the Bible commands you to submit because for you to submit is not a natural thing. It's like you have to work at it to obey your husband and to do because you just want your husband to do what you want them to do. Uh, and so it is the husband, however, is the head of the home. And when a husband doesn't pray, most likely his family will not pray. When a husband doesn't take God serious, normally even the wife doesn't. However, I have seen something because for me I've traveled. This week, I was talking to, we were talking in a conference speaking and as we sat as conference speakers, sometimes you sit in the green room and you're talking. We were talking about Europe. Why there is no longer church in Europe. Very strong. You know the churches in Europe only have gray-haired people now. Mostly. Some of them are being hired and shared by mosques. So you have a service and then at not just a Friday because they pray five times a day. So the five times when the Muslims have to uh, hear it is coexist, it's like they have run out. And this friend of mine was telling me that they read Tony Blair's 
biography. And Tony Blair was born in the 60s. And he said for him, his parents were Christian. But they told him, well, we are Christians. But as a young man, you can, you, you look into what you want. And do kind of what you want. And it sounds like the entire Europe uh, and uh, really America gave into this thing. Uh, they, they looked at their children and they just said, no. Children, don't worry. Just do what you want to do. It's okay, and we will do what you... So you see, it is those parents who the child says, me, I don't want to go to church. The child stays at home with a maid, and you, you come to church. I'm telling you, that's not right. Right now, when I go to the U.S., I have a friend of mine who was crying recently because his son has grown up. He's a, a big boy. Uh, in fact, he's married. But he came and told him, Daddy, me, I... I don't think the things of Christianity are true. And this man and woman, they are strong Christians. But they forgot something about getting their children involved. Hallelujah. A lot of wives are suffering because they want their husbands to move into certain directions and their mentions with God. And in fact, because the husband is the head, however much you want as a wife to get into some uh, levels with God, if your husband is not really leading and heading, it becomes tough. Like you have to work extra, extra, extra hard than one whose husband is actually leading spiritually. So husbands who are here, you must work at least for the sake of your wife and your children. You have to work a bit extra hard to see that your family is a spiritual family. The church in Philippi didn't have a lot of trouble because as you see, most of the evangelism and the outreach that went on in that church as they were starting involved households. That's why I am saying as uh, believers at the city church we need to find ways in which to involve our entire family. You parents don't leave your children to just not come to church because they are teenagers now. They will walk away from God. They will start doing drugs when you don't know. Get them involved. Get them involved. Uh, for me, one of the things I believe that preserved us, uh, my entire family, in our mother's house, if the church was fasting, there was no cooking at home. Since I was six, yes. So even my children, when they hit the age of six, they begin fasting. Uh, they, they begin because for me, what preserved me and I see my entire family, all of us are serving God. All of us, even the businessman is also serving God. He also has a church. Praise the Lord. Why? Because our mother didn't take no sense. These things you are, you are sleeping without praying. When for her she's praying, at least you sleep on your knees. You have to involve your entire family. And let me tell you, when a child is uh, old enough to tell you things from the cartoon, 
and is telling you those stories. That child should be able to read the Bible. I'm telling you, if they can read storybooks, they must be able to read the Bible. Involve your entire family. Involve. Don't let them just, just not do things. At least if you are to have a quarrel with your wife or your husband, have it around, let's read the Bible. No, I don't want to read the Bible. Let's pray. No, let, at least let it be a spiritual fight. Insist that your entire family is involved. That is why, if you notice this year, we have been very deliberate as a church to make sure that families are involved at different levels. And I want to ask that as a parent, a husband, a wife, a teenager, a youth, that you also get yourself to be part of the things that are going on. Hallelujah. For example, the children we've decided Sunday may not be enough for the children and all of that. But so every Saturday, the children are here in big numbers and we want them to bring their friends, their what? And, and if you want, even you as a parent, you can come and just be here. For the children to be part of a big thing. And once every month, we do what we call a big children's day. Hallelujah. And we want to have over a thousand children here in Luzila. Because we want the children to be touched. The entire house. want to involve the entire house. So, don't let your child stay behind Praise the Lord. So bring your children here. At least let the Sunday school teachers suffer with the children. Put some God in them. Train up a child in the way they should go. And when they grow, they will not depart from it. Do you know that most children's worldview are formed between the age of four and eight? When for you, you look at them and you think, ah, oh, these ones are young, young. But even you, if we made a survey here, most of you gave your lives to Jesus when you were young. And, and people thought, oh, these are children, just, these are just children. But in reality, you had decided. And you, and you had decided. And then you got to 14 and you just knew me, I am born again. And by the time you got to 20, no one was convincing you anything else. Even when you went and did all these other things we were talking about earlier, inside you, you still knew, you still knew I had given my life to Jesus. So, my friends, your four-year-old, bring it here. Let us pump Jesus into it every Saturday, every Saturday, every Saturday, so that by the time it goes to a school where they are making it read books that are not Christian, and they have bad things in them. Homosexual things. You know, these things have now come here. We didn't used to have these conversations. Now we must. But by the time he goes to the school and they tell him, now you can choose which one you are, whether you are a boy or girl. No, 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 I don't have to choose. I know. I know who I am. I, I am a boy. You understand? But you want your child to go to international schools and you can afford, but the things they are teaching them there is, oh, anyone can marry anyone. It's like, no, 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 no. Mommy is a girl, daddy is a boy. I want to marry a girl because I'm a boy. 
Simple. But we have pumped Jesus into them. Bring the children. And then we have also developed and decided to have uh, even youth programs. From the age of 12 to 18, we have special service for them on one of the Sundays. When you hear it, get those teenagers, get them off. What do the children do these days? Because they no longer play football. They are on the uh, WhatsApps. What? Get them off and tell them, go and do the WhatsApp at church. Make the friends there. Glory be to God. Involve your entire family. Your entire family. Involve it. Then for campuses, for campuses, we now have something for those who are at campus. And we talk to them. And then for those who are not yet married, the young adults, we also have something for you. So get involved. We are rolling out things for those who are married and those who are about to get married. We, we, we are rolling something out for you. Praise the Lord. Yeah, so we have something for men and then we have something for ladies. Hallelujah. And for the married, of course, of course, we have something. So, friend, get involved. I will end with a scripture in Joshua 24, verses 14 and 15. And this is my final charge to you on this. Because the message is clear. Involve your entire family. Parents who are here, parents, please get your children not just to attend, but to also be involved in ministry. When the thing is 13, get it to do something in church. When it is 15, tell it to join the choir. Uh, kick it out of the house. Tell it, go to church. Do something. Don't let it just be there. Especially those teenagers. Those, those teenagers. Don't let them to just hang out in the bedroom. Go and tell them, go and find something at church to do. And then it tells you there is nothing. You tell it, go and just hang out there. I want to find you. When I come back, I want to find your church. But there is no program. I don't care. Just go and find whatever else is. Just push them to church. Hallelujah. Now, Joshua chapter 24 is the final charge of Joshua. And he's saying... Now, therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Now, in verse 15, it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day, whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Friends, it's one thing to hear the word and a whole different thing to do the word. I want you to live here with a determination that you are not just going to hear this word, but that you are going to find a way to involve your entire household. If you stay in that home, find a way 
If it means ironing your father's shirt and tell him, Daddy, it's ready. Find a way. If it means waking up earlier than anyone and making sure everyone has had breakfast so that they are here in time, please, the Lord is a rewarder. Our families will be strong because we will serve the Lord. Father, this is your word to the best of my abilities. I have declared your word to your people. Now I pray that it will bear fruit for men here and accept and receive it with gladness and with joy. Heavenly Father, let this sound make meaning to many. And now, from now on, empower us with a determination, with the wisdom to get our entire families involved in church. That when we leave our beds, we will live with our families. When we walk into ministry, we will walk with our families. When we go to mission or communities, we will go with our entire families. When we work, we will work with our entire families. We bless your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This audio sermon has been brought to you by The City Church. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us on 0706-332-572 or 0776-579-679.